0: Hello there, podcast fam. I am so excited to bring you today's podcast episode with a very special guest. I am going to jump straight into the interview. However, just quickly, I wanted to remind you, if you have not subscribed yet to the podcast, please do so. Make sure you're following. I release a podcast episode each week. Sometimes I squeeze in a second as a bonus and you'll be notified if you subscribe. So make sure you do that. And also, if you haven't already, please leave me a five-star rating or review. It means the world that helps get this podcast out and your support, honestly, just means so much to me. I love you all so much. You feel like my friends. I feel like this is just us having a conversation and I know that you feel the same way and I want to keep this going to be able to provide you with additional value and content and uh, leaving a five-star rating and review, honestly, helps me get there. All right, let's get stuck into today's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. On today's podcast episode, I have a super special guest with me, Sarah Davidson. Now, I came across you, I reckon it would have been, it was, well, you're on um, Danny Kennedy's podcast, so it must have been, I reckon like three, four years ago. It was a while ago now, if you remember back to when you first met danny i I suppose am i right
1: yeah i've been on i think i've been on twice and the first time would have been maybe even longer than that but also like one fun fact about me is that i am pretty on like my schedule and my to-do list in in the short term but if you ask me about something that was more than a couple of months ago i have no time scale whatsoever so (laughs) i'll say like it happened a couple of months ago and it was like two years ago or I'll say it happened 10 years ago and it was like two months ago I just have no <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with my brain and I'm the same with guessing how many people in a room like I'll you know someone will be like how many people were at the event and I'll say like 60 and there would be like 10 or <laughs> someone will ask me to guess how many people are in the MCG and I'll be like 2 million so I just have no I don't know like my brain just can't do
0: it well look, look I, that I myself <laughs> it's not really a useful skill to have anyway so I guess there's worse things that you could be bad at In the scheme. It's true. It's not true. Although it does come up
1: more than you would think, like in podcasts (laughs) like this, where I'm here like I'm like, could be 20 years ago. Don't
0: know. (laughs) I reckon it was about three, four years ago. Well, let's stick with that anyway. Um, (laughs) so we're rambling on here, but I guess I should kind of introduce you and, and what you do. You are a podcast host, you are an author, uh, you're a business owner and a lawyer as well. Um, so I can rattle on about what you do, but I might actually hand it over to you. How do you explain who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, good question. I think it changes week to week. And what I love most about what I do is that it is so diverse and I don't have to sort of, you know, whereas in my first career, as you mentioned, I started out as a lawyer. I was very much a lawyer. That was my one title. That was sort of my entire identity everything every plan every dream every goal was related to that one career path and trajectory that I was on whereas now I love the fact that from you know one day to the next I'll go from being very heavy into podcasts and you know batching interviews and editing on one day and then the next day I'm doing tv and then the day after I'm doing content and then you know two days later I'm doing an event in person and then I'll swap to sort of doing some of the travel ambassadorships that I do. So I find it really, really hard to describe in a sentence what I do kind of do actually do as a job, but I've started using lawyer turned fun entrepreneur because I think that kind of captures everything and is very non-committal and allows me to say a bit (laughs) of everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And it does sound like a lot of fun. Everything you do sounds like a lot of fun. I want to delve into that a little bit deeper, but I think like I'd love for you to share your story and kind of how you've ended up in the position that you're in we know that you're a qualified lawyer. And I guess maybe like when we talk about a career sense, that's probably where things started for you. Would you say that's correct?
1: Yeah, definitely. So as I mentioned, my first career was as a lawyer. And I think there are many people who have left law that, you know, the common story is that they hated it, that the hours were really long, that they were stuck in an office. And I actually was not one of those people. I was more one of those people who didn't know what else I wanted to do. And I think the the crux of it all is people often ask like do you regret choosing law now that you've left do you regret choosing i don't really have any regrets because i think everything leads you to where you are but i also don't think that i chose law i think i was one of those very very common scenarios where all the way through school i always liked so many different things i've always had lots of different interests i've loved the kind of academic side of things and loved the maths and sciences but i've also always done theatre and drama as extracurricular activities. I used to be a dancer when I was younger and I've always had both sides of my brain interested in lots of different things, which actually makes decisions in life really hard because you're multi-passionate. So there's not a clear, like I didn't wake up one day and go, I want to be a doctor like some people do. So I got to the end of school and sort of thought, I still have all these interests. It's not become any clearer what my grand purpose in life should be. I was actually quite lost. And I ended up, you know, just studying hard, because i thought it was a good idea but not towards anything in particular i ended up getting into law and then you know as you mentioned off off air when you're kind of an a-type productivity addict and you love the idea of achievement i thought well law is probably what i should do like all my decisions were based very much on well i should probably do something that other people think is successful if i got in well i should do it because I don't even know. Like, I don't even think I thought much about it. I just fell into that career because it kept more doors open than it did close them. Yeah. So having said that, I I still think it was the best career path that I could have began with. I was surrounded by some of the smartest people I've ever met. I learned so much. There were really cool moments that were a bit like suits and I did feel like Meghan Markle at certain times, not all the time, but certain times. And I spent three years there really enjoying the sort of that feeling of, of having a purpose, of working in a big organization. Uh, I got off on the sense of climbing a ladder. I really found that, that quite satisfying and gratifying. Uh, what I didn't realize is that it very quickly does become your entire identity and all of my other interests that were outside of law just kind of, you know, you don't have much spare time, you don't have much spare brain space. So suddenly that became my entire identity and it wasn't until So because of that, because I didn't hate it and I wasn't trying to leave, I think I would have been one of those people who in 50 years time was still there because it's very, it was very comfortable. There were steep learning curves, but there was a lot of certainty, there was good pay, there was a lot of prestige, like all the boxes were ticked. But now what I'm really passionate about is I think when all the boxes are ticked, you don't ask any other questions. People get stuck in routine and they do things out of habit and never sort of question, maybe there's something better out there for me. So... It wasn't until what I call the great happy accident of 2013 when my husband, who was the opposite of me, he's a serial entrepreneur, he'd never had a traditional job. He had sponsored this big campaign uh, for the Youth Generation Against Poverty called YGAP in Rwanda and got invited to go and visit one of the schools for this incredible opportunity to kind of see where the funds had gone and I was able to go as his guest. And, you know, at the time I thought this would be really good for my resume. Like what an amazing life experience. Didn't really think it would be as pivotal as it ended up being. And two things happened over there. We worked for a month in a school in kind of country Rwanda, which was obviously vastly different from our life back here. And the first thing that I saw was people who didn't have the markers of success that I had back home, but who were sometimes happier than people that I saw back home, like children who had no electronics, no Internet, not even running water would play with a leaf for sort of hours and be just so happy. And I I'd never seen happiness without success before. And I sort of started to think, Oh, like maybe happiness and success aren't the same thing. Maybe they're different. And the other thing I brought home was a really nasty gut parasite, which was a great way to lose pounds for the first five kilos. And then I lost another 10. So that was 15 kilos off an already 12 year old Mm. boy kind of body um, and (laughs) ended up with adrenal fatigue. And it was only because, I was banned from coffee, had to take time off work, discovered Matcha Powder in the meantime, and that we came up with a random business idea and never thought it would ever end up being something I'd leave my career for, but it grew faster than we ever expected and I left the law firm and that was seven years ago.
0: Unreal. So let's talk about that business. So Matcha Tea, how did that evolve? How did that grow? How did you go from consuming it and then thinking, hey, like, You've got a business idea and then actually implementing that. Like, what did that look like?
1: Yeah, very accidentally. (laughs) (laughs) I think one thing that you'll probably find this, particularly as a podcaster, you have more conversations with people than I think you normally would reflecting on things in the past and decisions that you make. And I think women particularly often ascribe too much of their success to luck. Like they're sort of like, I was lucky. And it's like, no, dude, you had a really good idea and you worked really hard but I actually have to say it was incredibly lucky timing. Like I just happened to be unable to drink coffee, but looking for caffeine at a time where matcha was starting. It was just at the cusp globally. Like the Kardashians were drinking it. Everyone was sort of saying the word, but there was no cool brand around. So it was really hard for me to get as a customer. And that already was like, okay, well, there's obviously a bit of a gap because I'm in the gap. Uh, And then on top of that, my desire to find a source was even stronger because it was the only caffeine i could drink so i kind of had all these ingredients like mulling around at the right time and then when we did happen to buy some my husband and i found an amazing tea farm online And we ordered the minimum order. And when it arrived in Australia, it was a pallet. So it was like 2 million serves too many for us to consume just the two of us. And that's like, it's so much more matcha powder than I had ever expected to see. So we were forced then to do something with it. So every kind of step in figuring out how to sell it and how to repackage it was all because of mistake, like accidents of like ordering too much and then having, Mm -hmm. you know, to try and recoup some of the money. And then, and then I thought well, I'm really creative and I've really missed using that side of my personality. So let's just do it as a hobby. Like let's just sell it, you know, at a farmer's market or whatever. Um, and cause he has a creative agency, he was able to build a website really quickly. Instagram was in its infancy. So the algorithm was really straightforward. You could kind of get a message out there really quickly. And we just knocked up an online store and, and put it up. And the timing meant that a lot of other people had heard of it, but couldn't buy it. And it sold out in a week. So Wow. Really the yeah, the market drove yeah. the idea into a business.
0: That's unreal. I, I mean, I would love to talk about the ins and outs of business with you. And I think that's a whole different conversation. But what I really want to focus on today is as you identify as someone that clearly likes achieving things. Clearly like setting goals, (laughs) which is a great thing. I mean, ambition has to be like one of the most wonderful qualities absolutely anybody can have. And I relate to that to a degree as well. I'm a very ambitious person. I have big dreams and I work my butt off to get to them. And I think that is awesome. However, I think what can go hand in hand with being that kind of person is, a lot of putting a lot of pressure on yourself and feeling like you need to live up to certain expectations, your own expectations, but also the expectations around you as well, whether that's friends, family, or just society. And if I reflect on like my own story or even things that I have achieved in order for me to have achieved those things, I really had to step out of my own comfort zone. And what that looked like was taking a leap of faith and not knowing the guaranteed outcome. And that's really hard when you're a type A kind of person because we like to know, you know, X, Y, Z equals this. And that's just not the way that the world works or it's not the way that the majority of our goals that we achieve work, right? Like there's a formula to success to a degree, but a lot of it is kind of just making it up as you go as well and just trusting the process. So, you know, you're a lawyer, clearly really successful in that area. Then this stuff starts happening. I'm sure like it all sounds very seamless, but there would have been, I'm sure, times where you had doubted your decisions and maybe maybe you felt like maybe those around you, whether you had pressure or whether you were thinking about how you were going to be perceived, maybe sort of were like negative voices in your mind when trying to make those decisions. Can you, I mean, do you agree with that? Did you kind of experience that throughout that time?
1: A hundred percent. I think that is so valid and so well put that the biggest and most exciting changes in most people's lives who I've had the privilege of speaking to, is when it doesn't happen when things go as you planned. It doesn't happen when things are rosy or when you're just kicking the goals that you always knew you'd have. It's when random opportunities come out of nowhere in areas that you never thought that you'd enter that are so scary and so uncomfortable. Like it's in the uncomfortable bits that you grow and that you have the big breakthroughs. And like, you know, if you were comfortable all the time, you wouldn't be learning anything. So... I have almost learned to think like, if I'm feeling too comfortable, there's something wrong. Like I have, Mm. I'm not taking new steps. I'm not learning. I'm not pushing myself to that, that next level. And I've learned to embrace discomfort and challenge as like a sign that I'm, I'm pushing myself and extending and learning the new step. But I think that on the flip side of that, that, you know, often self-doubt, imposter syndrome, fear of the unknown and fear of uncertainty, they're much bigger barriers to anyone achieving anything than actual abilities. Like. The reason why people don't achieve their dreams isn't because they can't, it's because they're too scared to try. It's not because they couldn't actually do it if they put their mind to it. It's because they don't even start because they just, it's too scary. It's too foreign. It's too unfamiliar. We're creatures of habit and we really like to feel certain and secure and safe. And that's so natural. But I, I totally agree with you. It's when you step outside of what you know and outside of the comfort zone that the magic really, really happens. And I think part of that is, I've learned that that self doubt is probably never going to go away. Like when I first went into business, I thought, oh, within five years, I'll be chill. I won't feel nerves anymore. I won't have self doubt. I won't question myself. I'll feel confident. I've got this. It's like more than five years, and I still have a crisis of confidence every single day. (laughs) Now I don't think that's a bad thing. Now I think you know, it means I care. It means I'm invested in. You know, if I didn't get nervous before a speaking gig or an interview, I'd think, wow, maybe I'm I'm too complacent. Like
0: Mm.
1: I kind of think I'm not trying to do a good job and investing myself in learning all the time it's it's not that you don't ever feel self-doubt anymore it's that you learn to channel it really well and think Mm. okay that's a good sign it's a good sign i'm taking good steps but like it doesn't control my decisions Mm. you can learn to kind of like push it away and it definitely takes practice and i've gotten better at it over time but i still have days almost like i would say almost once a day where i'm like what the fuck am i doing why am i here (laughs) i don't have qualifications in this area i still don't know you know what's going on the world is changing every day so even if one day i think i've nailed it the next day the whole you know landscape is different and i've got to deal with new platforms coming out every day like you're constantly constantly evolving and that involves so much discomfort but i think the question i've learned to ask myself and this has changed the game for me i can't remember who i think it was in a book but the question was if i told you that you could try anything new like anything you'd ever wanted to try that you were scared of or nervous about and you knew that no, if you failed, no one would ever find out, would you be scared mm. anymore? And I, if I'm honest with myself, I wouldn't care. If I tried horse riding and f- couldn't horse ride, I wouldn't think I was a bad person. I'd just be like, oh, that's not my jam. Like I'm good at other things. But if I, if you told me I had to fall off the horse in front of everyone, I'd be like, oh, well, I don't want to do it then. Cause I'll look silly. And you realize most of the time we're not scared of failure. We're scared of looking like a failure. Mm if you failed at something like you, you're rational enough to know it doesn't change the quality of who you are. But if someone saw you fail and you looked silly, suddenly it's like, oh my God, what will they think? So most of the time you're just being controlled by like how you're perceived by other people. And at the end of the day, like that doesn't really matter. So I think the more I've learned where fear comes from, what I'm actually scared of and like how much of a big deal that isn't, and not being controlled by other people's expectations or reactions or thoughts about what I do, the more kind of liberated you are.
0: I love that. There's so many gems in there. I was thinking, oh, I've got to, I've got to ask her this. I've got to ask her that. But,
1: <laughs> Sorry, I like you that's really got right. me talking. I just like blah, blah, blah. no, <laughs>
0: no. It was amazing. It uh, escaped my brain. But one thing I did want to talk about was, it, I feel like the first few times you step out of your comfort zone are the hardest because you don't have any past experiences of when you have stepped out of your comfort zone and things have gone really well or you've stepped out of your comfort zone things haven't gone well but you've survived and it was kind of like all okay the longer I think people try to live in a way where they can control everything where things feel safe the harder it is as we get older to break free of that because there's no reps on the board. There's no like, oh, okay. I remember trying this, like, you know, so it's so funny you say that for me, I was for the majority of my, look, my, most of my twenties, I was such a fearful person and I would only, I would only do things that I knew I'd be really good at you know, like classic perfectionists. So, yeah, I achieved in certain areas, but certain areas where I knew I was a beginner at or I didn't know like what to do or I didn't feel confident in, I just didn't do it. Like I didn't try it. And so <laughs> because, you know, I like to be the best, right? So like, well, if I can't be the best yeah. there or if I can't achieve, like why on earth would I try it? And going back to your point, really that just came down to my relationship with failure. And usually what I would do is internalise that. So instead of viewing this as something that is separate to me, this is an experience that I have had, a learning lesson, that became I'm not good enough, I failed, I'll never do that again. And the more that you get into that mindset, the smaller you live. You just stick with what is what is familiar to you and you never really reach your full potential. Where like for me, I and this year for me has been my year of yeses and I'm saying yes to everything that's terrifying me and any opportunity. Obviously, you know, I've it's been my year of yeses, but it's also been my year of no's in turning away things that I know aren't going to add value, but yeses to things that scare me. And there have been so many opportunities, just like you've mentioned, when you do step out of your comfort zone that you would have never, ever, ever have come past you unless you took a step into the unknown and really pursued things that you knew were going to challenge you and you know from that then I can go like a scenario that pops up in the future that does feel really scary I can go oh remember when I like did this thing and it was terrifying and this was the outcome I'm gonna step out (laughs) and it was fine (laughs) and it was okay even like when you fail you know like I'm sure throughout your journey like Sarah we sit here here you are very accomplished you've done so much right and a lot of people can look at someone like that let's just say look at you and go oh like it's just all been smooth sailing for you you know things have just worked in your favor but I would you know 100% certain that is not the case there's been lots of hard work but also I'm sure there's been lots of ideas that you've had that haven't worked out or situations that haven't gone to plan but you're still where you are now and you've still achieved so much
1: Oh, absolutely! I, I and coming back to that whole like things don't really progress when things go exactly as you plan. They progress when things don't go exactly how you plan. Like if you are, if you set out a whole plan for your entire life and then just fulfill that plan, like you leave no room for things that are better to be right around the corner. So I've gone from like a really planned out, certainty loving person to realizing. Like if you don't stick too rigidly to a plan, anything in your life can happen. Like anything is truly possible when you let go of this idea of what it should look like. Mm. And I think it's, it's, I was like you, I spent a lot of my twenties in a really like certainty loving risk averse kind of mind frame and we tend to silo ourselves. Like you think that once you are like that, that you're always going to be like that. Like, you know, my husband would be like, why don't you just try something new? And I would always be like, well, I'm not one of those people who likes trying something new, but I'd never had tried. So like how do I know that? But you just condition yourself to thinking of yourself in a certain way. But what the beauty of the brain is and like of change is that humans are able to change like you think that you're a quiet person, an introverted person, a fear, you know, fear-driven person, but The whole idea is that at any time you can decide to be a different person like there's literal research on the fact that you can change the way your brain thinks so i went from someone who was a lawyer we are trained like our training is think about what's going to go wrong and avoid it we're the most risk averse people on the planet (laughs) and i have like done a complete switch to someone who is has such a healthy appetite for risk and uncertainty because i practiced Like you can practice thinking in a different way if the old way isn't useful to you anymore. I think we believe we're stuck with our own thinking patterns, but you can genuinely change them at any time if they're not suiting you. And the more you practice, like you said, the more you try something new and you realize the world doesn't fall down around you, the more empirical evidence you have to be like, I survived. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And the failures or like failures in inverted commas, they're the times where I'm so grateful they happened because how else do you learn what you need to fix for next time? How else do you get better? Like this whole, I I kind of like to label things because they help me understand a situation more. And for me, I think of failure as like failing forwards. It's never a backwards step when something doesn't go wrong or when you have a setback, it might be like technically a financial step back or an ego step back. But in terms of like the big picture, it's always a step forward because there's a learning Mm. opportunity that Teaches you what you need to fix. Like every time packaging went wrong or print runs went wrong or insurance wasn't covered. Like, I always think you're you never know what um worse luck your bad luck saved you from. So every time something goes wrong, I'm like, thank God that didn't go wrong in five years when our purchase orders were 10 times as big. You know, every time something doesn't really work out is a chance for you to improve that for next time. So I welcome the I mean, I don't love to be a failure, but I welcome sort of situations that are constant real-time feedback of what you could do better. And if you don't get bogged down in like, I am a failure, I am the reason this, you know, all went to shit, I need to close down my business. If you learn to see them as a learning opportunity, I think it was another um, really famous quote. Again, I wish I remembered who it was. You have two options when something goes wrong. You either win or you learn. Like there is no failure. Mm-hmm. Either it goes how you wanted it to go or it doesn't, but you learn something. So you mm-hmm. it's a win-win scenario. It's just how you perceive it
0: love that it's it's honestly all the mind it is your brain but like you were saying the most amazing thing is that you can change at any point of your life if you decide you want to view something in a different light or you want to change your thought process you can do that it's hard especially when we've Mm. thought a certain way for so many years but it is absolutely possible I popped a um I was, I popped a story onto my Instagram the other day and I was asking people how they, if they enjoy change. I'm someone that loves change and like just new environments. And um, and one girl DM'd me and she said, oh, I don't like change because I don't like uncertainty. And I like just to kind of know, like have that idea of like what's going to happen in the future. And I thought about it for a moment and I messaged her back and I was like, do you know what's really funny about that? Is that you think by not changing And staying where you are and trying to control everything around you, that somehow you're in control of what is going to happen when in fact, you're not in control of anything. It doesn't matter how certain (laughs) you are, you know, like tomorrow, something could happen, which completely changes the trajectory of your life. And you've lived small and controlled everything around you, thinking that's what's going to keep you safe. When we are not in control of anything, we wake up in the morning (laughs) exactly we live our life you know we've got to-do lists and that's what we plan on doing but really there's no way that we can see into the future so when we get rid of that idea that by having this control we are somehow keeping ourselves safe which is just not true then you think well do you know what why not like why not take a leap of faith why not try something new because ultimately I can't control the outcome of most things in my life anyway
1: totally yeah I think The question that I always ask myself is like, why a lot of people get overcome by fear is because they don't actually let themselves confront the fear. It's just this big blur of like scary things that could go wrong, but they don't ever actually articulate what the real worst case scenario is. So I force myself to think like, okay, if I try this big new scary thing, what is the actual worst case scenario? Like write it down. What is the worst thing that could happen? And usually like if it's starting a new business or if it's, you know, I don't know, applying for a a new promotion or putting yourself forward for a speaking gig, like usually the worst case scenario, if you wrote it down is like someone says no, or I lose a little bit of money that I can remake one day. Like once you write down the worst case scenario, it's often nowhere near as big or scary or overwhelming as when it's just rattling around in your brain you get so carried away with it just write Mm -hmm. it down and then you realize like it's usually not a big deal Mm -hmm. and once you confront that you're like okay well if that's all the risk that's on the table and that's not that bad then what other reasons are there not to do this thing usually nothing like really there's you're usually not you don't have a lot to lose and of course there are you know unique scenarios like A tech startup where you have to spend billions you know like not everyone's scenario fits into this (laughs) but most of the time i think if you really distill what you're actually scared of and you write it down it's not nearly as scary anymore once you confront it and then you can kind of move forward to okay well you know even if it didn't go well like i the big deal is i might look silly for five minutes but everyone else is too busy with their own stuff anyway they're not even going to notice
0: yeah I totally agree. We can create scenarios in our brain that haven't even occurred, you know, or outcomes that haven't even occurred. I listened to this. I'm going to butcher this, but I watched this TikTok, (laughs) (laughs) trying to remember how she worded it, but I was watching this TikTok of this girl who was talking about fear and when you're anxious about a situation and when you're thinking about what could happen, what the outcome is. And she was like, do you know? that that idea in your brain so you you're gonna I mean we work with women when it comes to health and fitness right so we have a lot of girls that are very fearful of changing their workout routine although this is like not serving them or their nutrition plan and they've got this outcome of what's going to happen once I lose control and what she was saying was is like do you know that that's actually like a made-up story in your brain that's actually not reality like you've created this idea of what you think is going to happen when it's it's not even in the real world. You're not even <laughs> in the present. And but we get carried away thinking that that is truth and we just accept it when in fact, it's literally a made-up story. And I think if you can view it that way, a fear tries to keep us safe and try to keep it tries to keep us with what we feel familiar with by telling us these stories that aren't actually necessarily facts. um such good points. I just want to say a massive thank you. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I could talk to you for ages and absolutely pick your brains, (laughs) but I just want to say that like I'm going to link all of your uh, socials um, in the show notes, but I'd like highly recommend we um, have majority of female listeners um, to make sure they follow you because you're just such a ray of sunshine. I always talk to my girls about being mindful around who they follow on Instagram because it can really impact the way that you view yourself and view the world. And you're the kind of person that brings, I mean, your podcast is called Seize the Yay. Am I correct? Yeah, that speaks for itself. And that's exactly right. I think um, the more women that we can see stepping out of their comfort zone, achieving amazing things and really spreading a positive message is only going to do good things. So just want to say a massive thank you. And where can actually everyone find you? Let us know.
1: Oh, thank you. That's so kind. And you are obviously doing amazing things as well. Uh, The easiest place is just Spoonful of Sarah on Instagram because everything else is kind of linked to there. The podcast, TikTok, everything is kind of connected.
0: Sure. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sarah.